Thank you very much, Dev, for that wonderful introduction. So once again, my name is Tim Huo. I'm a field application scientist here at Kaiji Digital Insights. And today's presentation, we're going to be focused on drug treatment, toxicology, and target safety assessment using Kaijin Omicsoft and IPA to address these different scientific questions. So today's training is going to be divided into two sections. In the first section, we will be leveraging public data pre-curated and pre-analyzed for you in the Kyogen Omics Soft Lands to investigate drug target or biomarker expression to correlate gene expression and to identify a list of genes or biomarkers specific to a particular topic of interest. So when we are talking about public data, we're referring to studies from consortium data such as TCGA, from GTEx, we're referring to data coming out of public repositories such as GEO and SRA, and of course, many other various different sources. We are also going to use these public data to answer some of the questions related to drug treatment and toxicology. In the second half of today's presentation, we're going to focus on pathways and networks where we can use Kaiage's ingenuity pathway analysis with data sets or without data sets to assess questions related to drug treatment and toxicology. So before we begin, a legal disclaimer that the Kyogen products shown here are intended for molecular biology applications. These products are not intended for the diagnosis, prevention, or treatment of a disease. Thank you for participating in the pre-meeting feedback poll. We try to keep these webinars interactive, so we'll be launching additional polls throughout the meeting just to gather information and feedback from you. If you have any questions during the talk, please feel free to use the Q&A box in your Zoom toolbox. On the call, once again, I have Kyle Nielsen and Deb, who will be more than happy to answer any scientific and technical questions you may have. We're also joined by Paul and Brittany from our accounts management team. So if you have any licensing questions, they will be more than happy to help you out there. From time to time, I may be asking you to use the raised hand button to once again, keep this webinar interactive. So if you could go ahead and look for that raised hand button and go ahead and give that a press, just so I can see that many of you can locate that button. Great, I can see that many of you are able to find that button. Thank you very much. Just helps us keep this webinar interactive. And once again, after the training is over, feel free to click on the registration link, refill your information, and you'll be able to get today's recording on demand. So let's get started. So what are some of the results that you'll be able to generate at the end of the training today? So from my experience working with different toxicologists and target safety assessment scientists, many of them like to use public data sets such as GTEx. So GTEx is the Genotype Tissue Expression Project, which is a public resource annotating tissue-specific gene expression and regulation. So more importantly, it focuses on gene expression for normal tissues. So a lot of different toxicologists, 
or safety uh, target safety assessment scientists and researchers, they like to search for their target of interest, in this case, a gene of interest or particular biomarker and look at how this particular target gene of interest or biomarker is expressed in normal tissues of interest. So let's take our case study here, where let's say if we're interested in NFE2L2, we can use the data from GTEx to look at how that is expressed across some of our major tissues of interest. So for scientists in drug treatment research, you can search for public data in a similar fashion, and you can filter data for different disease states or different disease subtypes, different treatments, or different cell types if you're interested in single cell data. So this allows you to not only examine how a target, a gene of interest, or a biomarker is expressed in normal tissues, but you can also look for your gene of interest in different conditions or different treatments. So a lot of customers would ask, is there a way to see whether two biomarkers are correlated with one another? So in this case, we can generate something known as a correlation plot. So in this case, let's say through our research, not only are we interested in NFE2L2, but we're also interested in how is this gene, tank expressed and correlated to our gene of interest. So once again, using that GTEx data for normal tissues, we can filter down to a particular tissue of interest, in this case, liver, and see whether there is a correlation between these two genes. In this case, there is. Higher expression of NFE2L2, results in a higher expression of TANG. Many scientists are also interested in a particular disease, a disease subtype, treatment, or for single cell RNA-seq for particular cell types. And they're interested in collecting a list of genes that are either upregulated or downregulated for their specific areas of interest. So what customers can do is locate a particular project of interest. In this case, this is coming out of the GEO data set, GSC 57811, post versus pretreatment with imaptimid, and looking at the expression data of the rat kidney for toxicology assessment. This study is interested in identifying gene expression changes associated with use of pharmacological compounds on nephrotoxicity. So by identifying a particular study and diving into the gene expression changes, scientists can now generate a list of potential biomarkers associated with imatinib and kidney toxic toxicity. So once we have identified potential biomarker, a potential gene of interest using Omicsoft, we can then go into ingenuity pathway analysis and generate pathways and networks without data sets. So in this example, we're looking at how a particular gene known for its role in xenobiotic metabolism, in this case, NFE2L2, or 
more commonly known as NRF2, how that is associated with a particular kidney disease, glomerulonephritis. So this is an umbrella term for a plethora of kidney diseases. But not only can we connect our gene of interest to our disease of interest, but we can also see what are the intermediate molecules and how if we activate NFE2L2 with a particular compound, in this case, RTA408, how this can affect our network that's generated in IPA. So once again, not only can we construct a network between our target of interest and our disease of interest, but we can also predict what would happen downstream if we activate NFE2L2 with a particular compound. We can then also dive into a scenario where you have data sets. So let's say you've generated data sets coming from transcriptomics from an NRF2 knockout animal versus wild type. And perhaps you also have an activation of NRF2 using a compound known as CDDO versus DMSO treatment. So in this case, we can compare between these two different data sets to see what are the pathways associated with xenobiotic metabolism. So in this case, we can see that many xenobiotic metabolism pathways are inhibited when we knock out NRF2. But when we activate NRF2 with CDDO, many of these xenobiotic pathways are now activated. So we can look in details at these pathways to look for potential mechanisms of action. So although today I'm using transcriptomics data, we can actually do various different comparisons, whether it's different omics data. So for example, comparing transcriptomics to proteomics to metabolomics, or it could be different disease subtypes, or it could be coming from single cell RNA-seq comparisons. So this is a great way to make novel discoveries to look for pathways that may be similar or different, and then looking into the pathways in details to generate mechanisms of actions. So pathways are just one component of IPA analysis. When customers are analyzing data sets using IPA, a common question that customers ask me is, can IPA identify potential regulators in the data set? So in this case, using our example of the NRF2 knockout versus wild type and the CDDO treatment, which is an activator of NRF2 versus DMSO treatment, we can see that this particular, the NR1L3 is a potential regulator that, that is inhibited in our knockout versus wild type, but activated in our CDDO versus DMSO treatment. So looking at the pathway on the right, we can see that the predicted activation of our regulator 
results in the upregulation of many of these different molecules seen in our data set. And these are colored in red, which ultimately leads to the predicted activation of metabolic process of xenobiotic. So note that this is not the only regulator identified by IPA. Looking at the charts, we can see many regulators that have identified, whether that is a gene, a protein, chemicals, or metabolites as well. So for new users to Kyogen, Omixoft, and IPA, one question that we get is, how reliable are these software? Can the results be used in peer-reviewed publications? So here I'm highlighting three publications that have used Omixoft public data for their studies. So I encourage attendees to dive into these publications to see how data in Omixoft lens are used and integrated. So although these are just three examples, there are many examples out there. So please feel free to use Google Scholar and search for Omixoft and your disease type of interest. Graphics produced by Ingenuity Pathway Analysis, particularly those that I will be showing in today's training, are also ready for publication. So in this toxicology-related publication, you can see that networks generated by IPA are incorporated into the publication. On the right here, you can see that heat maps comparing different treatments for potential regulators are also exported and included in their publication. So once again, I encourage attendees to search for Ingenuity Pathway Analysis using Google Scholar to explore the depth and the breadth of usage of IPA in toxicology, drug treatment, and drug safety assessment studies. So we have talked a little bit about Omixoft lands and IPA, and I've noticed that the majority of attendees have never used Omixoft software. So let's take a step back to describe what is Omixoft lands. So Omixoft lands is a repository of high quality, expertly curated Omixoft datasets. So the Omixoft lands allow users to explore public data sets coming out of sources such as TCGA, GEO, SRA, GTEx, and this allows users to access data sets in one of two formats. So these data sets are curated by our scientific curation teams using control vocabulary where metadata terms are quality controlled. On the bioinformatics side, we have a team of scientists who process all of these data from raw FASTQ files using the standard pipeline. Once both the metadata and the associated data are integrated, this allows you as the user to make direct comparisons between over 850 thousand disease-related samples. You can access the LANS content either through the IPA LAND Explorer, which is what we are going to be exploring today. But for those of you who may have access to Omixoft LANS, you can also access the data through this second interface. So once again, today we're going to be focused on how to access 
the contents using the IPA Land Explorer, but feel free to access the same data using Omicsoft Lens. So let's get started and let's look at how we can use Omicsoft Lens to leverage public data to investigate drug target or biomarker expression across different normal tissues, diseases, treatments, and more. So in many toxicology or drug assessment, safety assessment studies, scientists want to know how a particular target or a gene of interest is expressed across tissues of interest. So one way of answering this question is to leverage the data in GTEx to analyze gene expression data. So remember, GTEx is the Genotype Tissue Expression Project. It's a public resource annotating tissue-specific gene expression and regulation that contains normal tissue samples. So in this case, let's say we are interested in this particular target, NFE2L2. Using GTEx data, we can see that NFE2L2 is broadly expressed in these five different tissue types, suggesting that it may not be the best target. So although using GTEx data, NFE2L2 may not be the best target, remember this is just one piece of data for toxicology or drug safety assessment study. So let's go ahead and generate this view. So I'm going to jump into IPA. So once again, let me just minimize this. For those of you who may be new to IPA and use, looking at the pre-meeting polls, we have a lot of new users to the software. So I'll just highlight a couple of areas of interest. On the left-hand side here is the project manager. So you can see new your analysis, all of your data sets. If you generated your comparisons, those will be also included here in your navigation area. For those of you who may be interested in using IPA to analyze your own omics data, we can always access that through the create new and the core analysis. So although today I won't be going through how to set up a new core analysis, please feel free to register for one of our upcoming new user trainings. So here, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just highlight that training for those of you in attendance. That's happening on September 6th. So if you're interested in how to learn or how to upload your data for IP analysis, feel free to join us on September 6th to learn how to use IPA. So once again, today, we're gonna to look at how we can use GTEx data to look at how we can look at gene of interest and explore its expression in normal tissues. So now that I have generated some of these different views, I'm just going to launch a quick poll before we start to see whether these are the types of views that you would be using for your toxicology, for your drug safety assessment, for your network construction. And if you're curious about other views or other results that you may want to generate, please feel free to use that Q&A box. And please 
let us know what other types of results that you're looking for for your research. I can see that many of you uh, find that these are the types of results exactly as you expect for your research. So that's great. Thank you for that feedback. Once again, for those of you who are looking for additional results, please feel free to use that Q&A box to let us know what are the other types of results you're looking for for your research and for your studies. So let's go ahead and look for public data queries. So for public data queries, we can do most of these functions and perform most of these functions using the search bar on the top here that I've highlighted. So let's say for today, we're interested in a particular expression of NFE2L2 across normal tissues. What we can do is let's go ahead and type in our result here or our gene of interest, NFE2L2. And here we can see that populate here in our search bar. So once we click on that, here is our search results. So once again, going to that search bar, making sure that the genes and chemicals is selected, we're going to type in NFE2L2. Or if you're following along today, feel free to search for your gene of interest with our presentation. We clicked on that pre-filled, auto-filled bar. But if that doesn't appear for you, feel free to click on the search bar here on the side and we get our search result. So what we can do now is we can click on this NFE2L2 link. So if you hover over, this is a link that will take us to our IPA gene view page. So let me just move over my web browser. So the IPA gene view page contains a lot of information about our gene of interest. So you can see all of the information on the top here. We have information about top findings for our gene of interest, a genome browser, all of these different informations that our team of scientists have manually curated is all contained in this IPA gene view page. To access the public data, let's look at this Omicsoft Lens Explorer. So this is where you can access your gene of interest in either normal tissues. So in normal tissues, we have our GTEx data, but we also have RNA-seq data from the Human Protein Atlas, as well as a collection from Blueprint, which has the hematopoietic cells information. For those of you who may also be interested in cancer cell lines, you can see that we have a collection here from Cancer Cell Line Encyclopedia. We also have an oncology consortium section. Many of you who work in oncology may be interested in the TCGA data set. For data sets coming from public repositories such as GEO and SRA, we also have general oncologies datasets, as well as oncology from mouse studies. And for those of you who are working with non-oncology diseases, we also have collections from human disease, 
mouse disease as well as rat disease. So as you can see, tons of public data sets that you can use for your toxicology, for your drug discovery, for your drug uh, safety assessment, and target safety assessment studies as well. So going back to our original uh, question, how is our gene of interest, NFB2L2, expressed in normal tissues? Let's go ahead and click on this GTEx link. So when we click on this GTEx link, what we are going to access is a gene FPKM view. So here we can see our gene FPKM for NFE2L2 for all of the various different normal tissues here on the left-hand side here. So whenever you hear omics soft, so whether that's omics soft land explorer or the omics soft uh, studio lands, think of high quality, pre-curated and integrated genomics repository for your studies. So now that we have our NFE2L2 gene FPKM, we don't want a target of interest that is expressed highly in all of these tissues, right? So when we look at this data, we can see that it's quite broadly expressed in all of these tissues. So once again, this provides one piece of evidence, not the most conclusive evidence, but one piece of evidence that may suggest that NFE2L2 may not be a good target, or at least using GTEx gene FPKM as a data form. So now that we're in Land Explorer, I'll just mention a couple more things here in the interface. So remember, we talked a little bit about the various different collections in Land Explorer. If we go to this little tab here, this drop-down menu where it says select land, you can also see all of the different collections that are available for you to look at. For many of you, these may be acronyms that may not be familiar to you. Feel free to hover over, and that's gonna bring up a pop-up menu that would describe what this particular land is. So as an example here, here is the HBA B37. So this is the Human Protein Atlas portal, which is an open access database supplying protein and RNA expression data for postnatal human tissues and cell lines. So here our HPA land contains RNA expression data from 37 tissues and 10 cell lines. So Whenever you're exploring these various different cell lines or different lands, feel free to hover over them to see a description of these different lands. Next to this, we have our find gene and our search button. So this allows users to find various different genes of interest. So although today we're doing NFE2L2, you can change on the spot other genes of interest that you may be uh, hoping to explore as well. Here, we can also change our different views. So right now we're looking at gene FPKM, but perhaps you may want to change to see what the different samples are for 
GTEx data. Or if we scroll down here, we can also see that there is expression intensity. So whenever you see expression intensity, that is going to represent microarray data. So remember, RNA-seq is going to be gene FPKM. Expression intensity, if the data is available, is going to be expression intensity from microarray. On the left-hand side here is where all of our filters are. So let's say we don't want all of these different tissues to clump up our graphics. Let's say we only want to focus on five different major groups of tissues. So let's go ahead and filter down for our tissues of interest. So in this case, we can use this tissue GTEx drop-down menu. And what we can do is let's go ahead and check none. And let's go ahead and select heart, kidney, liver, lung, and pancreas. So once again, open up the drop-down menu, check none, and check for heart, kidney, liver, lung, and pancreas. So right now, nothing has changed on the graphics here. So we have to hit this apply in order to apply our filter. So now you can see that, again, let's say we're interested in targeting NFETL2 in the kidneys. Perhaps that may not be the best idea because in lung tissue, heart tissue, and liver tissue, seems like the expression of NFETL2 is also quite high. So now that we have generated this view, how can we export this for our graphics for our publications? So let's go ahead and hover over this graphics and you can see this little camera right here that allows us to download this as a PNG format. So this is a way to download the, uh, download the image if you'd like to download all of these data, to download that, you can click on the download button here. We can also show the p-value. So that's going to give you the statistical test for, uh, for the ANOVA F-test to see how different these different averages are. And you can see, not surprisingly, that there is a difference amongst all of these different tissues. And we can also highlight and select these samples of interest. That's going to pop up the sample ID, all of the metadata, and the expression values. So using that raise hand button, how many of you would find accessing GTEx data useful for your research questions? So I can see that many of you would find this view to be particularly Interesting, great, thank you very much for that feedback. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to review the steps to generate this particular view. Going back to IPA, what we did was we made sure that we selected the genes and chemicals, typed in our gene of interest, that's going to pop up the search result where we can click on the gene symbol as a hyperlink. Once we click on the hyperlink, 
that's going to take us to the IPA Jingview page where we can access all of the Omicsoft data. So remember, whenever you hear Omicsoft, think of high quality, curated and integrated genomics repository. For today, we're interested in normal tissue. So what we can do is we can click on the solid tissue GTEx link, which will take us to the GTEx gene FPKM for our gene of interest group by tissue GTEx. Remember at the beginning, we had all of these various tissues listed on the y-axis. What we did was we opened up the drop-down menu, we checked none, and then we selected our tissues of interest. After we selected our tissues of interest, we clicked on apply to generate this particular view at the end. Remember, we can show our p-values, and we can hover over and click on this little camera icon to take an image of this graphics. So don't worry if, you're, if you would like a step-by-step -step slides of how we generate this particular view, feel free to click on this little link, and that's going to take you to slides showing you how to generate that particular view. So another question that I get asked is, is there a way to see whether there are two biomarkers that are correlated with one another? So in this case, we can generate a plot such as this, a correlation plot. So let's say if we found tank to be an interesting gene, we can ask, is this gene correlated to our NFE2L2 gene? So let's go ahead and go back to our land explorer. And here, let's go ahead and go to this find gene section. And what we're going to do is we're going to type in our second of gene of interest. Here, we can hit the pre-populated gene symbol. And then we can click on search. So once again, type in comma, your gene of interest, and click on search. Now, we can see that. Right now, it is in the average FPKM for the two genes, which may or may not be useful. But what we can do is we can click on this little gear button here where we can access additional views that are possible. So in this case, let's go ahead and scroll down where we can see that there is a multi-gene RNA-seq FPKM. So remember, expression intensity is going to be for uh, microarray. RNA-seq is going to be for RNA-seq. So let's go ahead and look at our multi-gene correlation, RNA-seq FPKM. Move that over so that it's available for us to select and click on OK. So now that we have added that, let's go ahead and use this drop-down menu and now the multi-gene correlation RNA-seq FPKM is available for us to choose. So now what we have is a gene correlation of 
NFB2L2 versus tank across five different normal tissues. So let's say we just want to click on liver. What we can do is we can either check none, click on liver, and hit apply. And here we have the liver. The second option was to unselect the ones that we didn't want and click on apply. And if we like, we can show our p-values as well. Hover over the graphics to access that download plot as a PNG format. And remember, if you want to download all of the data, feel free to click on this download button. So let's just go ahead and repeat the steps that we've taken to generate this field. So we started off by typing in comma tank. Then we hit search. The default view is going to be average FPKM for the two genes. So what we did was we clicked on the gear button. We moved over the multi-gene correlation from the left-hand side over to the right-hand side. Clicked on OK so that this view is now readily accessible for us using the drop-down menu. Once we've selected that, we then selected for our tissue of interest, in this case, the liver, and then hit Apply. Remember, we can show the p-value by clicking on the p-value button. We can also download the graphics using this snapshot button. So with that, I think this is a good time to take a quick break to see if there are any questions I can answer live. Thank you, Tim. So in terms of questions, what we'll also do is we'll ask our audience uh, some questions. And I am sorry, this is... Okay, there we go. So launching a poll over here. And considering some of you guys are working with toxicology, target safety assessment, and even drug treatment, I personally am curious, like, you know, what species do you work with? So that's the second question uh, that's in there. What does ANOVA F test is testing here exactly? Yeah, so Kyle provided a great answer. So essentially, you're just asking, is there one group that is significantly different than the others. So although we don't have the post hoc test to see which groups are different from one another, it just looks at overall if there are any differences amongst the groups. I see that people are still like kind of providing uh, their answers over here. Uh, currently, you're showing something that's GTAX, that's human, but I see that people are voting for other species as well, like mouse and others. And this is something you did go over, but for their benefit, if you're not working with human species, does Land Explorer have other species as well in it? Yes, absolutely. So if we go back to the IPA gene view page, here in the Omics of Land Explorer section, we can see that for oncology, they're divided up based on general oncology or mouse. So for those of you who are working with mouse, feel free to access the mouse oncology studies. And for those of you who are working with non-oncological disease, excuse me, diseases, we have a section here for mouse disease as well as rat. So for those of you working with rat, this is a very, very, very good collection for that as well. While you're on this page, Tim, there is 
oftentimes, you know, people ask questions about like, what about disease versus normal tissue? And now that you showed normal tissue in GTAX, uh, what about normal from GTAX and disease from other collections? Is there an option for that? Yeah. So if you are looking for, let's say, normal tissue and versus the disease tissue, you can most of the time you can access that kind of information in the disease collections because a lot of these repository studies would also include normal tissue control. So you can access that there. Another source that many users use is to access something known as a virtual lens. So here, what you can see is, what we have done is we have directly incorporated data from the cancer cell line encyclopedia with GTEx with TCGA. So that is another option for you to use to compare across either your normal versus your TCGA oncology samples. Right. And before I forget, I realized that when I uh, when, when we had IPA certification uh, stuff in the slides, it did not have a link to the registration page. Mm -hmm. So I'm pasting both the link to the registration page and slides in the chat box for uh, those who are interested. I, I definitely did notice that some people joined pretty late. So if you don't have the link to the slides, uh, that's also in the chat box. So one last question, and I know you have more to cover, Tim. What if people wanted to download the data and then do additional analysis uh, on the Land Explorer data? Is that something possible? Yeah, so that can be accessed, accessed through the download button here. All right, and this is in regards to the question that was asked and provided. So uh, pretty much any chart you see, you can download the data and you can do additional analysis. And of course, you can always reach out to us uh, requesting specific features, which is what we our our IPA team has been adding for years now. So that's also another option. Back to you, Tim. All right, thank you very much, Dev, and thank you very much for the audience for participating in the uh, feedback poll and asking great questions in the Q and A box. So keep those questions coming and keep those feedback coming as well. So the next view that we're going to generate is many users that I've interacted with ask a simple question. Is it possible to generate a list of genes that are either downregulated or upregulated for a particular disease, disease subtype, treatment, cell type, et cetera? So since today we are interested in drug treatment and toxicology, let's focus on a particular compound. And in this case, let's go ahead and look at Im imatinib. So imatinib is a tyrosine kinase inhibitor, which is a drug primarily used for uh, leukemia, gastrointestinal tumors, and other types of cancers. However, there is some indication that this particular compound may be correlated to increased risk of renal dis dysfunction. So this particular public data set this we can use this particular data set because this particular data set was interested in how the various different pharmacological compounds affect kidney function and kidney disease. So using this GSE 57811, we can look for downregulated and upregulated genes in rat kidney tissues upon imatinib treatment to extract a potential biomarkers that we can use to perhaps use as drug safety assessment. So let's go ahead and jump into IPA 
In this case, in our first section, we were looking at genes and chemicals. But now what we're going to do is we're going to switch over to data sets analysis because we're interested in identifying data sets and analysis that may be focused on our conditions of interest. So let's go ahead and click on data sets and analysis. And today, let's say we're interested in how imatinib is related to kidney. And in IPA, what we're interested in is treatment versus control. So again, in the search bar, we have typed in our compound of interest. Using AND, we're going to look for data sets associated with kidney. And the comparison that we're interested in today is treatment versus control. So let's go ahead and search for that. And now what we're going to do is we're going to look for data sets that have already been curated and analyzed within IPA for you to access and for you to explore. So I'm just going to expand the results table. And you can see there are lots and 24 results fitting our imaginative kidney and our treatment versus control. So let's go ahead and move over this metadata. And you can see all of the various different treatment versus control for our compound, for our tissue of interest. And on the metadata field, here we can look at different dosage, different control, what these types of um, data sets and analysis include. So in this case, this is a imatinib versus DMSO. And we can scroll through these to various different analysis. So looking at the analysis part, now we can see that there is a imatinib, 50 milligrams per kilogram by body weight per day for one day versus water. The organism is rat. And then we can see platform, tissue, treatment time. All of this metadata is listed here on the side. So feel free to scroll through all of these various different comparisons that our team of scientists have made available for you so that you don't have to process the data yourselves so that you don't have to do the analysis yourselves. So the one that, let's go ahead and look for the imatinib, 150 milligram per kilogram per day, five-day treatment versus water for five days. So feel free to open up the IPA analysis, and that's going to open up an IPA analysis for you to explore to see what are canonical pathways, upstream regulators, diseases and functions, but let's go ahead and scroll all the way to the bottom because today we're going to use this data to identify potential biomarkers. And let's go ahead and look at this comparison ID. And once again, when we click on this hyperlink, that's going to take us to our Land Explorer where we can generate a volcano plot. 
So now we can identify genes are either upregulated. So we can draw a rectangle around genes that have a positive fold change. And we can also draw a square or rectangle on our other side to identify genes that are downregulated by imatinib treatment in rat kidney. So these could be, once again, potential biomarkers to assess this renal toxicity of imatinib. If you would like to export this figure, feel free to hover over. And of course, there is that snapshot tool. There is also the download button for you to download the entire data set for this particular comparison. So once again, let's repeat our steps where how we got here. We first started off with data sets analysis. We typed in our imatinib and kidney and treatment versus control. That brought up our search results window where we can use the metadata on the side here to look for data sets and comparisons that we're interested in to generate a list of biomarkers. We scrolled all the way to the bottom and looked for that comparison ID where we clicked on this hyperlink to access the volcano plot. We can manually highlight these different dots. Each one represents a gene to generate a list of upregulated biomarkers upon imatinib treatment in kidneys and genes that are downregulated on the other side. We can also download the entire data set by clicking on the download button. So remember when I first mentioned about the Land Explorer, there are two different ways of accessing LANDS data. The first one is the IPA Land Explorer, and the second way is the Omicsoft LANDS. So for those of you who have access to Omicsoft LANDS, you may be wondering, well, what are the differences? So Omicsoft Suite, you are able to explore public genomics data sets with even more customized visualizations and analytic tool. So for example, in Omicsoft Suite, perhaps you want to add an additional field to split your samples. And in this case, using the GTEx data, not only can we sort based on tissues, but we can actually split the samples between gender to see whether there are any sex differences in our NFE2L2 expression in males versus females. Using correlation analysis, rather than generating individual correlation plots, what we can do is we can integrate scan all genes to look at what are some top genes that may be highly correlated with our NFE2L2. And of course, on the bottom of this table, we can also look for anti-correlated genes. So rather than doing one at a time, we can scan the entire transcriptome to look at this data. And lastly, with the visualization in Omicsoft, we can generate a visualization where we can identify upregulated and downregulated genes using the same exact data set. 
So Land Explorer is great for your normal needs. And if you need advanced analytics, feel free to use Omic Soft Suites for that type of uh, analysis. And here I've included the sales and licensing email for you to ask and request uh, trials for Omicsoft. And once again, on the call today, we are also joined by Brittany and Paul. So if you have any questions about licensing with Omicsoft, please feel free to reach out to them. So just with that show of hand button, how many of you would find the Omicsoft suites to be even more powerful and help you with your drug assessment, toxicity, and your biomarker discovery um, studies as well. So I can see that some of you find that this software will be even more uh, useful, so that's great. So let's go ahead and jump into IPA, and let's look at how we can use findings from publications and other sources to investigate the impact of targeting a gene or protein on different toxicological and biological functions. So some customers want to leverage the Kyogen knowledge base in order to generate a network like this to see how a gene of interest, in this case, NFE2L2, is connected to a disease of interest. And in this case, we have used a term that encompasses a lot of kidney diseases. And we can see how that is connected through what types of intermediates. We can also see how a particular compound, so in this case, RTA408, which activates NFE2L2, can influence this network. So this is a great way to run an acyclical experiment and to identify potential mechanisms of actions. So let's go ahead and jump back into our IPA. Let's close our search results for our data sets. So remember, to search for our gene of interest, let's go ahead and select this genes and chemicals tab in the search bar. And let's go ahead and search for NFE2L2 again. Let's go ahead and click on the pre-filled field. And rather than clicking on the link to access the IPA gene view page, we're gonna click on this checkbox. And let's go ahead and add it to my pathway. And we're going to start a new pathway. So now we can see that my new my pathway 8 contains our NFE2L2. So to search for our function or disease of interest, let's go ahead and click on diseases and functions. And today, let's go ahead and search for glomerulonephritis. And here we can see that that is our top search. Once again, let's go ahead and use the checkbox, add to my pathway. And then we're gonna add it to the new my pathway eight. And make sure that the diseases or functions is selected because we do not want to add 544 molecules into our pathway. So this is interactive. We can select on our nodes and move them around. Let's go ahead and open up this network. 
And let's go ahead and click on this build button here. This is a handy dandy little zoom to fit function that allows us to focus on our nodes of interest. So using the drop-down menu, let's go ahead and select Path Explorer. We're going to select NFE2L2, add that to set A. We're going to select glomerulonephritis, add that to set B. And then we're going to change the direction from set A to set B. Then let's go ahead and hit apply. And this is going to search the entire IPA knowledge base for connections between our node of interests on our pathway. Let's go ahead and select the checkbox, add that to my pathway. And if we look at this little drop-down menu here on the side here, IPA is always going to search for the shortest paths plus one. So one layer of intermediates, or perhaps sometimes two layers of intermediates. So let's go ahead and select a couple of these. I'm just going to select the first 15, because as you can see, IPA has identified 54 intermediates between NFE2L2 and our disease of interest. We can add this to my pathway, and now we can see the intermediates connecting NFE2L2 to our disease of interest. One handy option is this change layout, where we can change the layout from no change to hierarchical, or another popular one is subcellular. So feel free to change it to either one whichever one makes sense for your research in biology. A lot of users like subcellular because they can identify potential biomarkers in the extracellular matrix or perhaps targets sitting at the plasma membrane. So once again, hierarchical, where we can see how NFE2L2 is connected to our disease of interest. Now to run an ex in silico experiment, let's go ahead and click on the overlay button. Using that drop-down menu, we're going to use the molecule activity predictor. So there are two pink buckets here. Red is going to be activated. Green is going to be inhibited. So what happens if we activate NFE2L2? We can see that when NFE2L2 is activated, our disease of interest, in this case, glomerulonephritis, is predicted to be inhibited. On the other hand, if we inhibit this particular protein, glomerulonephritis is predicted to be activated. We can always export our image using this export function. And to generate a more visually appealing icons, we can always run the path designer function. So all of these shapes are going to be turned into a more cartoonish depictions. So let's go ahead and refresh our memory of how we got to this pathway. So we went to the 
genes and chemicals. We searched for our gene of interest. So let me just go ahead and search for NFE2L2. We clicked on the checkbox, add to my pathway, and then we started a new pathway. We went to the diseases and functions, typed in our glomerulonephritis, clicked on the checkbox, added to the same pathway that we have our NFE2L2 on. We then went into the build function, selected the path explorer, clicked on our gene of interest, added that to path set A, clicked on our disease of interest, we added that to set B. We changed the directions from set A to set B, hit apply, where the Kaiji knowledge base is going to look for the shortest path connecting our gene of interest to our disease of interest in addition to one more layer. Using these checkboxes, we selected a couple of them, added those to our pathway. Then we use the overlay button, molecule activity predictor, and use these two different paint buckets to simulate what would happen if we activate NFE2L2 or if we inhibited NFE2L2. So with that, I think this is a really great time to take any questions live from the audience. Thank you, Tim. And as always, we will also ask our attendees one more question. And that is regarding, Tim has covered few things like, you know, how to investigate sample level data in Land Explorer, constructing a network uh, without data, but honestly, this can be done in similar manner with data as well, just so you guys know. Uh, and also what he's going to cover is a little bit of, uh, you know, perhaps data set scenario. So out of our curiosity, which one of these things would you find most valuable? And I know for many of you scientists, you know, you'll find multiple things valuable, but please do your best to answer this question, okay? And we want to collect this feedback for designing future trainings as well as uh, enhancing IPA. In terms of questions, Tim, I am kind of going in reverse. You don't need to change your screen or anything. But one important question I forgot to ask is, what about proteomics data in terms of uh, sample level uh, public data? Yeah, so proteomics data, those are going to be included in our Omicsoft suite. So if you're interested in proteomics from TCGA or from um, one of our most recent update is the clinical proteomics tumor samples. So if you're interested in those, those are also included in the full version of Omicsoft. So feel free to explore those data using that software. You can also analyze your own proteomics data using IPA as well. So once you have your proteomics data in, feel free to construct a network and you can use this analysis data sets and lists to add your proteomics data into this network. So in this case, I have some proteomics data here from NFE2L2. And what we can do is we can add that to our network to see how that is influencing our network of interest. A question just came in, which proteins should we choose from the list shown by the shortest paths? 
Yeah. So the shortest paths are going to be ordered by the number of findings connecting NFBTL2 to our node one and our node one to our disease of interest. So they are sorted by the number of findings connecting these. So one could think of it as a p-value, but, um, but it's just an absolute count. So I've seen users scroll through these different lists to, of course, we all have our favorite genes and produce of interest. So they would be looking through this list. I've seen users click on all of them and make a, let me see, if this may, hopefully 54 isn't too much, but essentially create a hairball to include all of them. So all of these are possible for you to uh, search and explore. Wonderful, wonderful. So honestly, that's what I have seen many users do as well. Uh, more often than not, they just add all just like uh, Tim showed. Other times they are subjective in terms of uh, what they want to add. Mm -hmm. And honestly, one more option you guys should consider is when you construct this network, IPA does offer filters. All right. So as Tim showed, my personal recommendation is not to use filter the first time you do it. But if you get too much, then you can always go back to this filter and try out different things. Okay. So yeah, just to follow up, you have different filters for different relationship types, node types, species is another uh, popular one that I've seen. So all of these are available. Uh, two more questions real quick. I yep. know the time. So sorry. So one question is what about the findings underlying these relationships? Yeah, so you can always double click on these different findings to see the relationship. Click on this hyperlink and that's going to access the research findings supporting the relationships. So you can get the PubMed ID, the papers, what kind of experiments were done to support these different connections. And this is a very interesting question. I really want to take this live. What about viral databases like COVID? So, yeah, so you can explore COVID data sets, right? So if we type in COVID, we can see whether there are any public data sets that we have curated and analyzed related and associated with COVID. Another interesting uh, feature that you may want to play around with is to build a network from your gene of interest, try to connect that to COVID, SARS-CoV-2, what have you, and look for genes that may be connecting between the two. So those are two ways of kind of exploring COVID and viral, any type of viral diseases with IPA. All right, so I, I really do want to emphasize here two of the awesome things Tim mentioned. One is IPS database was already filled with host pathogen interaction types of findings. So there are tons and tons of viral findings there. But the second thing I really want to emphasize that Tim showed first, which is the data set and analysis tab. The reason I want to emphasize is when COVID became a big thing, our team already had a lot of viral data sets and they added even more all right so different scientists can study viral related stuff so definitely check it out and if you guys have trouble locating data reach out to us our team can help tim i understand we have limited time left so i'm going to turn it back to you and to our attendees sorry this might go a little bit over like the training but we really wanted to make sure we answer all of your questions back to you tim thank you very much dev and thank you very much for those of you uh for 
asking questions, for attending our today's webinars, for following along. If you do need to drop off at half uh, past the hour, don't worry, feel free to access the recording using that registration link and you'll be able to watch the rest of the uh, session. So thank you for sticking around and for following along with the training. So I just want to emphasize that for those of you who want to learn how to analyze your own data set using IPA, remember we have a live training coming up on September 6th. It's at the top of the hour where we can learn how to upload our data set and we can learn how to create a core analysis. We also have pre-beginner uh, training recordings as well as step-by-step -step guides for you to access as well. So let's say you as a user have a set of data that you would like to compare in order to make novel discoveries, whether that is looking for new biomarkers or new mechanisms of actions for a particular drug or compound. You can simply use comparison analysis and tool, tool in IPA to do so. So this doesn't have to be only transcriptomics or proteomics. You can compare between transcriptomics, proteomics, and metabolomics all at once in order to help you answer your toxicology questions or drug safety assessment questions. So the data set that we have today, so the first data set is an NRF2 knockout. So this is NFE2L2. Compare that to a wild type. And we also have CDDO. So this is an activator of NRF2 versus a DMSO control. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at what are the canonical pathways that are either upregulated or downregulated by these two different comparisons. So what I'm going to do right now is I am relaunching my IPA because there are so many SARS-CoV-2 data sets that um, it's overloading my uh, research, the, my search result. So just bear me for a second here. There we go. So let's go ahead and click on an analysis of interest so that we can reorient ourselves to some of the results that we can produce in IPA. So what we have here is an expression analysis coming out of a NRF2 knockout versus wild type. And if we click on the pathways tab, this is going to show us canonical pathways are either upregulated or predicted to be activated or predicted to be inhibited in our comparison. So using this little drop-down menu, I'm gonna change this into a horizontal bar chart. And we can see that many of these xenobiotic metabolism pathways are not only enriched in our data set, so enrichment we can tell by negative log of p-value, but beyond just looking at enrichment, we can see that many of these are colored in blue. And in blue, these pathways are predicted to be inhibited. So once again, let's go ahead and look at our colors. So in IPA, if you 
See blue, those are going to be pathways or gene activity predicted to be inhibited. Anything orange, those are going to be predicted to be activated. In your data set, if anything is upregulated, those are going to be colored in red. And any molecules that are downregulated, so proteins or genes in your data set, they're going to be colored in green. If you see any pathways that are in gray, these are uh, pathways that we can't predict yet based on the literature, or it's just simply too complex for us to uh, make a predictions, but they're still important because they still are enriched in your data set. So feel free to investigate these uh, gray pathways as well. In IPA, to make a prediction, what IPA does is it looks at your actual data set measurement and it compares to what IPA expects if the pathway is activated. So let's take this particular pathway, which has five different genes. If this pathway is activated, IPA expects these five genes to go up. So let's say in your data set, all of them match the pattern. And because all of them match the pattern, IPA predicts an activated pathway and it has a positive Z-score. Let's say if in your measurement, these genes are going down, but it's expected that these genes are going up because it is opposite to what IPA predicts, the pathway is inhibited and now we have a negative Z-score. We also have the case where maybe some of them are going up and some of them are going down. If there are no clear signals for prediction, there is a Z-score of close to zero and IPA does not make a prediction of either activation or inhibition. So once again, in IPA, it looks at how well does the actual measurements match what is expected? So if we jump back into IPA, we can see that, let's just click on the first one. Many of these molecules are expected to go up, but in our data set of the NRF2 knockout versus wild type, they're going in the opposite direction because they are not matching what is expected. We have a negative, Z-score, and a dark blue color. We can open up the pathway to see all of the different genes, how they interact with each other. I'm just going to quickly zoom in. So we can see that these four genes are down-regulated in our data set. And because of the manual curation of the research findings, we can make predictions both upstream and downstream to see what we predict the activity of these different genes would behave and ultimately what the disease and function is predicted to happen. The second analysis that I'd like to go over is this upstream analysis. So in this case, IPA predicts what are potential regulators regulating 
molecules in our data set. So these molecules could be chemicals, it could be drugs, it could be metabolites or proteins or nucleic acids. So we can use filters to filter down potential regulators to find biomarkers, targets, et cetera. So clicking on this little filter, we can look for perhaps if we're interested in targeting G protein coupled receptors, we can click on that to see potential targets. Or perhaps we're looking for cytokines that may be released upon NRF2 knockdown. These may be potential biomarkers. So these are great ways to identify potential regulators that may be regulating our molecules of interest. So just a reminder, if you'd like to learn more in depth about canonical pathways, about upstream regulators, diseases and functions, feel free to register for our September 6th IPA new user training to dive into details on how to perform comparison analysis and core analysis in IPA. But for today, let's go ahead and create a comparison analysis. So once again, this is where we can select our data sets of interest. So in this case, we can compare genes from our knockout versus our well type and our CDDO treatment versus DMSO. And remember, we can compare multiple different omics data set. So we can compare transcriptomics with proteomics, different time courses, et cetera, et cetera. Once we click on view comparison, we can see how canonical pathways in our knockout compares with our activated NRF2 uh, compound using CDDO. And we can see that many of these top pathways, zeobiotic metabolism, which are predicted to be inhibited in our NRF2 knockouts are now predicted to be activated in our CDDO. So this allows us to focus on particular pathways of interest to identify particular biomarkers. So by clicking on these squares, we can see how our genes of interest are changing and are predicted to be inhibited or activated. We can see that upon CDDO treatment, many of these genes that are upstream of our NRF2 are now inhibited, leading to the activation of the downstream targets. What we can do is we can also click on the gene heat map to see whether there are potential genes that are changing across our different comparisons. So we can see that this gene, this gene, this gene, and this one that are now downregulated in our knockout versus well type are now activated upon CDDO treatment. So perhaps these may be potential biomarkers to assess the activation state of NRF2. So once again, 
to create a comparison analysis, we went to the create new comparison analysis. We selected our data set that we want to compare, whether they are transcriptomics, or proteomics, or both. Click on this view comparison. This allows us to directly compare across the different data sets where we can see canonical pathways that may be changing in our different comparisons. Clicking on the square, we can see how that particular data set looks in terms of the pathway analysis. And then clicking on the gene heat map allows us to identify potential genes that may be common or perhaps differentially expressed across these two different data sets. Not only can, can we compare between canonical pathways, but we can also compare across upstream regulators. So by clicking on the upstream analysis, we can identify potential regulators that may be changing in our data set. So not surprisingly, NFE2L2 is the top hit because we've knocked it down in one and we have activated it in the next. So this allows to identify not only genes and proteins, but also chemicals that may be changing. One of them, which is this NR1L3, is predicted to be inhibited in our knockout study, but now predicted to be activated upon CDDO treatment. So this is another way of quickly identifying potential biomarkers, potential targets of interest for your disease of interest. And of course, we can click on that gene heat map to identify genes that may be commonly shared across these two comparisons, or perhaps maybe changing across these two different comparisons. So with that, I just want to thank everybody for attending today's uh, training where we went over how to first leverage public data using our Land Explorer to look at the gene of interest that's expressed across normal tissues, how two genes are correlated with one another, searching IPA to identify data sets analysis to identify upregulated and downregulated genes, we then went into IPA to build and construct a network, used comparison analysis to identify genes that may be changing across our different data sets, and also used comparison analysis to identify potential regulators of our different data sets. So once again, having the LANS database and going back and forth between LANS database and IPA, hopefully, we have highlighted how you can use these two different tools for your toxicology, drug safety assessment, and biomarker discovery research. So with that, thank you very much for attending today's training. And I'll be more than happy to answer any questions that you may have regarding uh, today's uh, training. Thank you, Tim.
And one thing I want to mention is we still have that poll running about what did you find most valuable? Again, this is so we can design better trainings and also uh, enhance IPA in the correct way based on your feedback. If you guys either want to change your answer or if you want to participate and give answer, it's open. And talking about feedback, I do want to um, share something else with you, which our team finds extremely valuable, which is SurveyMonkey feedback. If you like something about this training, if you feel that something should have been done differently or some, something should be included in future training, like a different topic or something, then please uh, do the quick survey. It should not take you any more than like two, three minutes to go through it and provide us with that feedback. Um, in terms of questions, Tim, uh, what if say someone is looking for a specific type of uh, data? and they don't find it. And I'm just going to use a uh, example for from two of the questions uh, they were sent to us. Like one was like, say someone is looking for data related to a specific gene or someone is looking for V lentiviral trial, sorry, V liniviral trial data. They are having trouble finding it. What are their options? Yeah, so... Using the Omics Soft uh, Studio, what users can do is use specific filters. And this can also be done in Land Explorer to use specific filters and metadata terms to look for samples that are associated with different viral load, let's say. So let's say if the team of scientists uh, that conducted a particular public study has noted which samples have high viral load or low viral load, those would be curated by our team of curators and associated with those samples. So in that land explorer, users would then be able to identify those samples and then compare across them. So that is one way. Another way is to use the Omicsoft uh, Studio to group those samples with one another. So those are two ways of, uh, of comparing. And remember, we have our team of scientists who also make those comparisons for you so that if it makes scientific sense. You should be able to see those comparisons in a volcano plot. Right, and honestly, as I mentioned, if you run into any trouble, reach out to our team uh, of scientists with your license. You know, this is uh, supposed to be free, the support. What they can also help you is sometimes, you know, the search term you might be using or search strategy you might be using may not be the optimal strategy. So they can A, help you with that, and in some cases, they can say that, hey, the thing you're looking for simply does not exist in the database. So in that case, you can do one of the two things. You can A, request them that, hey, can this be added to the database? And B, as I mentioned earlier on, like very beginning of the training, we do have a services team. So you don't want to wait till things get added. Then that's definitely another venue you want to um, consider. Uh, let's see, in terms of question. Another question is, are there different ways to access Land Explorer? So there are multiple ways to uh, access Land Explorer. So the first way that we did in today's webinar was to search for that gene of interest, clicked on the, um, the link to get to the IPA gene view page. So I have a couple pages opened up here. And then that's how we got to Land Explorer. The second way is to click on this Kyogen Land Explorer link, and that's going to take you to the comparison Land Explorer. So 
users can then switch over to the sample view and then search for the gene of interest that way. A third way is, let's say if we have opened up, let's say you're exploring your graphical summary, your canonical pathways, um, and you see that network, what users can do is right-click on the gene of interest, click on the view details, and in this case, it's not accessible here. So let's go ahead and open up a pathway. Let's say we're interested in ALDH. Click on it, right-click on it, view details, and that's going to take you to the IPAG page. So I've shown you three different ways uh, of accessing the IPA gene view page. So feel free to uh, leverage that for your research. Wonderful. Uh, and then this is something you might have covered, but uh, you know, in IPA, there are so many different shapes, symbols, colors. Where can one find legends? Yes, so the legend, go ahead and access the help. And then there's a handy digging legend link, which will take you to the IPA legend page. And a lot of my users that I've worked with, they either print this out or uh, they save it as a PDF as well. So that's uh, where you can get all of the shapes, relationships, acronyms, and then you also have the colors here as well. Okay, so I don't see any other question. There's like one in chat box, which I'm answering. But other than that, thank you everyone for attending. As always, we'll stick around 30 more seconds or one minute to make sure if someone is writing something, we don't ignore those questions. Uh, thank you, Tim, for this wonderful presentation. Thank you, Kyle, Paul, and Brittany for sticking around and answering technical as well as licensing related questions. And at this point, I'll stop recording, but again, we'll stick around for a bit more in case anyone is writing something. Thank you very much, everybody, for attending. And thank you all, Deb, Paul, Brittany, and Kyle for answering questions in the Q&A box.